0: You are listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from America, friends. It's been a while. Wow, I'm bringing podcast back. Yeah, I'm bringing podcast back. Yeah, everybody, how you doing? It's me on the ones and the twos, baby. Boo, please don't be blue. I'm back. I'm back, y'all. I'm singing. I'm I'm, I'm rapping. I'm dancing. I'm traveling. It's me. Pull up a chair, do what you gotta do, walk around the house. I'm gonna keep you company for a little while. So man, it's been a while. People have asked me, why aren't you doing the podcast anymore? To be honest, it's a very interesting medium. I mean, let's be honest. Podcasts are so strange because you put it out in the world, but you have no idea if anybody's listening. I guess we're all kind of spoiled in a social media age. We get immediate gratification. In a situation like this, you just kind of put out your heart. I guess there's no real platform to know where people are coming from. And to be honest, when you're a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none like myself, you just do your best and you just put as much stuff out into the world as you can. So that's kind of where the podcast uh, lives. So what the hell have you been up to, Bill? Man, oh man, it has been wild. Okay. Firstly, I'm back in America. Uh, I think five days ago, I just came, came in a crashed landing. I flew out of Belgium. And I got, uh, because of Hurricane, God, was it Ida? and um, the eastern seaboard, I got uh, rerouted twice and ended up sp- <laughs> spending 40 hours getting back to my country. Um, not pleasant, but the airport was kind of a interesting... <laughs> place to sit and observe humans as it always is you know who who my heart goes out to in the airport like even worse than my own experience little kids i really noticed kids have such a hard time there was a woman sitting next to me and her 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 little boy was dressed in a little um spider-man outfit i felt so bad for this kid he was raising hell and this poor woman max max no max this poor lady was just um, going nuts, but held it together. And when we got off the plane, I told her, Miss, I'm sorry to, to uh, interrupt you there. I just want to say you did a good job. You did a really good job, that poor woman, poor kid, poor everybody. Now, as we know, um, because of Afghanistan, there's been a lot of refugee flights, and I was on a refugee flight as well. But when I was in the airport, I noticed all of the people's passports were from um, they were from the Ivory Coast, and that was that was incredible. Actually, my flight was people from the Ivory Coast and also um, Orthodox Jewish people. So, can you imagine that flight? Um, there I am sitting with all these Africans. It was amazing, and then all these Orthodox folks, which was amazing as well. I sat next to a potty mouth, little guy named Cristiano. He was probably, I think he said he was eight years old. He spoke like a uh, sailor, using a lot of swear words. Um, His family's Albanian and I got to sit next to them like an actually an absolute joy. Like, where do you get that? Um, Where do you get that kind of like life experience, like reaching out and tapping on your window? I'm sitting next to an eight-year-old Albanian kid that keeps dropping F-bombs. His grandmother was so cute. Just amazing. So where have I been? I have been in Europe all summer, and it's kind of something that I do every now and again. I'll pop over and do a bunch of shows. This time was completely crazy. Um, I figured out how to have an amplifier and a guitar on my motorcycle. And I I have a motorcycle overseas. So um, I played the Netherlands, I played Italy, I played Denmark, I played Germany. And I just, like just mashed through Europe, just like a bat out of hell singing and um, really, really beholding this amazing thing that we call the world. Um, it wasn't long ago, I was in California and I saw these strange lights in the sky and it was Elon Musk, um, testing his space program. So there's, I saw that in the West coast of America. And then next thing, you know, I'm traveling around Europe in the old world, right? Cruising through Verona, Italy. Um, everywhere I go, um, I really make it a point to sit down and break bread with people and listen to their stories and their lives and this experience was no different um i met a really lovely guy named mattia um, a fella named sergio these italian guys it's just amazing i mean cobblestone um it's the setting of romeo and juliet um, the montagues and the capulets i'm walking through streets there's an arch that napoleon I think he had it moved. I think he he had some kind of obsession with it and made them move it. And so it's in this really cattywampus, bizarre place inside Verona. And you just walk through there and you're like, whoa, I love this balance of having Europe in my life because sometimes with modernity and the pace of life, uh, we often forget. And in America, there's sort of a a corporatized version of life with our Walmarts and our McDonald's and our, you know, CNN in the background or whatever. And you kind of forget how the hell we got here. So I love Europe for this reason. Cruising through the Alps on my motorcycle, um, seeing little chapels, seeing cows, seeing people by the roadside. I didn't really realize how big, like, bicycle I guess, bike racing, kind of like Tour de France vibes. <clears throat> I didn't realize in Belgium, there's so many, like every weekend there were teams of these guys, like just all in spandex, <laughs> um, just crushing through the mountains and I would zip past those guys. Um, I got close with a really lovely couple in Belgium named Marlene and Carlo. Um, they were wonderful and I was staying in this, uh, basically like 300 year old, Limestone, I guess it was made for pigs at one point, like a pig trough. And this thing was just like oozing with antiquity. In the bathroom, it had etched into the uh, into the wall. It said like 1839 or something. And it was just like, wow, where am I right now? Um, one thing that Europe has a lot of is churches and uh, cathedrals. And so I would rise each morning. Um, As I've gotten older, I've really become a morning guy. And I would rise with these like, this cacophony of clanging bells. And usually that meant it was like six o'clock. So I would rise and I would go on a little walk. And um, I really, I I, I, I used to live in Amsterdam and I've spent time in Central Europe, but this was like kind of an update for me. I was looking at this place like, wow, the weather patterns were so sporadic <clears throat> that I think that the actual like when you when I'd go on my weather channel or whatever to try to see how the weather was going to be that day, it couldn't even keep up with um, this Dutch weather, right? So all these like cloud patterns would come in and it would rain, um, and you know it's funny I being from California, I always kind of like would like shake my fist at the heavens like Jesus, come on, New York City. But wow, I tip my hat, Central Europe. As a motorcyclist, we kind of live and die by, uh, by, by weather, right? Because if you're riding in the rain, you're kind of suffering <laughs> So uh, there were times it was just like too rainy, right? And then you just, if you go south of the Alps, then it's like a dry summer, you know? Like, like what summer is in your mind. Really fascinating. I'd never been to Scandinavia past, I think, just airports and layovers and stuff. I spent time a friend of mine named Alex up in Denmark. I played up there. I saw like people like it's not windsurfing. It's I think it's parasailing. Um, Just saw the like Scandinavian summer situation going on. Like, what a fascinating place, Uh, fjord. just windswept beaches, but that kind of looked a little bit like New England or maybe Montauk. And just seeing these kind of quiet, kind people just going to the beach on holiday with these big campers. Man, I thought California was like a super big, like Winnebago camping place. But man, I got a hand at the Germans. The Germans, the Germans really, really own the uh, Winnebago camping camper scene. Just like amazing um, examples of like old campers from like the 70s, 80s, 90s, Westphalia, Westphalia, um, Winnebago's, Volkswagen's, old crazy Mercedes diesel ones, like really cool, man. Tons of bicycles on the back and I'd just be behind them on my motorcycle. Um, just a whole new thing for me. Um, I have, my motorcycle has California license plates on it. It's (laughs) super illegal. Uh, I shipped it over there years ago and just kind of don't know what to do with my bike. So I jump on it in the summer times and like, thank God I've not gotten in a lot of trouble, (laughs) but there were some times like I went through the border getting up to Scandinavia and I'm like, Oh man, if I get, uh, you know, I could get in so much trouble. Um, but you know, it's like, time waits for no man i think i just take my chances with this motorcycle and just say you know what if i get in trouble i get in trouble but i'm not gonna sit and with my nose in a book trying to figure out how to do it properly i gotta go and so i am like totally rolling like You know, and I'm not alone here. I have some friends in Brooklyn that they really love Italy. They're Italian-Americans and they do the same thing in Italy. I guess these countries, a lot of them don't have um, a highway patrol, so you can kind of get away with it. Um, I bought myself a tent, bought myself a sleeping bag. It was lovely. So I'm coming back to America. It's going to be fall soon. Um, And I kind of got a head start on that in um, the Netherlands because, like I said, it was rainy, so... I'm back here in Colorado and I'm, I'm, I'm returning to a project that I had, um, my project before I left that I completed was I, I bought a van and I built it with my friend, Alex. Um, Alex used to be the guitar tech for Augustine's and we worked on this van life project. And my idea with it is that it's a mobile studio and that I can record and make films in this thing and travel around the country. And I came back, and uh, what I'm doing right now, I smell like diesel gas. It's because I'm trying to um, test my heating system. It is this bizarre, like, Chinese heater that takes diesel. You wouldn't know it, but it's actually really hard um, to heat vans because uh, it takes so much electricity to run something electric, right? And the batteries that you have don't have enough kind of juice to push, like, say, a hairdryer or a, uh, a heater, so you've got to get really creative with it, and they have these um, heaters. They're they're really expensive, actually, but this thing's run off of diesel, and it's got like a little bit of a leak, and yesterday, I wanted to get the podcast done yesterday, but I was just up to my elbows, and like, diesel going inside my van, which is like, not that sexy, smelling like, um, <laughs> smelling like diesel gas near my bed, it's like not... Not awesome. So I, when I get done with the podcast today, I'm cruising down. I'm going to try to fix this thing. Now, you know, if you're like me, I mean, I'm a singer and a, and a and a songwriter. Like, but I have managed to somehow build out this van and like, I think the 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 key thing taking something like this on is like either you got to hire somebody to do this stuff or you're gonna have to learn it yourself. So. I have been going, uh, this whole project, I've been going to the University of YouTube, trying to learn how to do all this stuff myself, and you know what? It's a pretty cozy, beautiful little studio, and I'm really excited. Um, the dream is to drive around and make little movies about culture, really. I'm fascinated by where music comes from um how and why it's made where it's made and what like cultural significance it has for people of of um the different regions that I travel through so Europe pandemic c- crazy right when i came in there france was pretty much locked down um britain was completely locked down and by the time i left i think that there's been some live shows in britain and I wouldn't say it's back to normal at all. Um, I have friends that have caught the Delta variant, so, like, that's still happening. But, you know, for example, um, Belgium was really intense about masks and so on, but then, you know, when I'd pop over to Germany, it seemed a, bit, a little bit more relaxed. And I found that interesting because I came back to America and, like, at least in the middle of the country here in Colorado, there's no masks. <laughs> and it's it's kind of... It, it's kind of crazy coming back to America because, you know, a lot of the strife that's happened within the country, I've kind of boiled it down to a couple different things. One, I feel like there's constantly um, a tug of war between rural America and urban America. And rural America is a completely different kettle of fish, a different ball of wax. So I'm in rural America right now. Having observations about that, having like six days ago just been in Brussels, seeing um, urban life, like city life, and I always say this: like this is one of the things in America that that I think that overseas folks don't understand is that what does Anchorage, Alaska, really have in common with Miami, Florida? They're like two different worlds, and um, you know I'm coming here and. It's, we have a two-party political system in the country, and I'm in rural America. And I've, I have to say, in the very short amount of time that I've been back, I marvel at the relationship that rural America has with the military. Um, there's a lot of kind of signs that say, um, you know, duty and dignity and honor and valor. Um, you know, it's like this, like, military kind of... don't forget the troops kind of feeling and then you go to like queens and like people don't even talk about that stuff in queens new york it's just really uh, it really is present um i just played a show uh i'd say about six days ago seven days six days ago in ohio and i was driving through kentucky last week and i was with a friend of mine andy And I saw these giant billboards, you know, about Christ, right? In America, it's like hell is real. And you look at it and you're like, wow, we all wake up in the morning, we brush our teeth, we call our loved ones, we go to work. But for some reason in this region of of the world, people feel so compelled about their faith that they need to make a big billboard sign and adorn the countryside with their belief in Christ it's so strange coming from uh, you know an age old culture like i was in i was riding my motorcycle in croatia and i'm cruising through there absolutely no mention of christ you got your odd cathedral or church but no one feels like driven to make some big statement about it. But here they do, which I'm not knocking anybody's faith. Um, I think the the more diversity, the better, but it is really, you can feel it when you come here. Um, another thing that, another observation that I have coming back to rural America is uh, people's, I was just at a barbecue the other night and you know, someone had a flamethrower. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They had a flamethrower. And in this garage, they like like launched this flamethrower and this huge flame shot out of it. And I go outside and I'm not kidding you. There was a guy, the same guy, no, sorry, the boyfriend of the girl that had the flamethrower had a metal detector. And he was going out in the field. And I asked him, what are you doing, man? And he's like, oh, I'm looking for my knives. Um, this is my throwing tree and I'm like throwing tree and this guy like his pastime is throwing knives and hatchets um, into a tree and I was thinking wow um, that is an interesting hobby dude and I said to them man it is so f- f- so fascinating to me that that your version of freedom is completely different than mine like my my version of freedom is um, freedom to be who you are, to learn about others, to celebrate other people's differences. And here I am, and this guy's f- version of freedom is the freedom to hunt and fish and sleep where he wants to sleep and pee where he wants to pee and be outside. And I think that's, uh, it's, it's more than I could say in a podcast. I actually, it's something I admire about these rural folks. Um, th- I was talking to my friend Angie yesterday. We were in the truck driving through uh, rural Colorado and we were talking about hunting and how they actually hunt and like what happens when you kill a big deer? Like how do you lift that thing into your truck and what do you do with it? Where do you put it? And she was explaining like game bags. Like basically they shoot the deer, they draw and quarter the deer, meaning they cut its limbs off and they put it in bags and then they take it to like a butcher And the butcher cuts it up and for, you know, a fee of three to $500 or something, they will take this animal and make sausages out of it, steaks out of it. And they do all this stuff. Um, And you basically get back a gigantic amount of food, you put it in a freezer, and it could get you through a winter. And I was thinking, wow, I mean, that is, I was asking, like, I wonder how much money you save by shooting your own animals and living off of it. And she said, quite a bit. And I was thinking, wow, here we have another another gap that I think urban city people don't understand. I mean, when you see these people with these... Um, you know, hunt the gun racks in their car. It's like, what do you like? Why would you like guns so much? It's so odd to me. But then, when you look at it, you're like, oh, it like actually serves a purpose. That's so how they feed their families, and therein lies the complete gap and difference in within this country of not understanding each other. You know, this is an interesting group of people. Um, there's a pub here. I guess we'd say a bar, and they've got some outside uh, picnic tables, and I played there um, not terribly long ago and I was talking to them, um, about rural life and, uh, the left and the right. And it's, I kind of tell people I'm politically homeless and I think it's a nice way for me to say that politics doesn't resonate with me. It's not really my thing, but I wanted to hear them out. And I was saying, well, you're, you're from the right and you're, you're like, you're for Donald Trump and you're for you're you know, you're conservative and, um, what is the relationship with the left? Like, how do you, how are they, how are they offending you? Like, how are they, how, why aren't you seeing eye to eye with the, with the left? And I was very, I was very, um, I, I wouldn't say shocked, but I, I realized how in the dark I was about their own, their perspective. And their perspective was, is that they feel like the left looks down on them. And that like touched my heart. I was thinking, man, if, if, if you're seeing the left as like elitist, um, and looking down on you, like, I understand the pushback. So that was really cool for me actually to, you know, no judgments, just talk, man, just, just, just tell me what you think. And they all kind of started explaining that, that, you know, many of them are former military and in, you know, economically challenged communities. Um, when you, when you join the military and you feel like you've, you've defended the country and you've you've like answered that call and you come back and then there's this this faction of people that that don't have that kind of relationship with um their um citizenry or their um their role as americans there there is a gap and and they feel like you know people look down on them which actually you know that's that's hard to hear man you know America's a funny place. We you throw this word freedom around a lot and it just really does mean so so much. Um, there's It's such a different concept to, to each region of the country. This is my podcast and I talk about stuff that I see when I'm traveling. So welcome to it. Um, <laughs> moving right along, um, we're getting really close to 9-11 here. And I'm not in New York City, but I can guarantee you that there's two large lights shooting up towards the sky, um, memorializing 9-11. Wow. 9 11s crazy, right? Because I was in 9-11 in New York City. And one of the things, the takeaways that I have from that experience is that I still have actually, I actually have trauma from 9-11, it's really weird, but it's, it's real. It's like if I see an airplane flying kind of low um, or I, I, I see airplanes around like a skyline of a city, it still kind of triggers that part of me. Um, that was a weird day. And I've thought about 9-11 actually a lot during the pandemic because when we were really locked down and in New York City, the streets were completely empty. Um, it reminded me of that day I uh, I was I I watched the uh, 9/11 happen. I would say um, I would I, maybe in kilometers. I'd say about a mile, 1.1, 1.2 miles away from the trade center, just across the water, and um, and I actually went over um, to Ground Zero uh, that night, and they wouldn't let people below Canal Street, which is really not far from Ground Zero. I would say. I don't know, 10 blocks, but I went down there and I was walking down Broadway in the middle of the night um, and it was completely empty and it reminded me of some bizarre like Tom Cruise apocalypse uh, film or something or Schwarzenegger, it was like the city that never sleeps completely blacked out and uh, during the pandemic, walking around New York, the streets were completely empty. The subways were empty and it reminded me of that. And I'm like, wow, that is nine 11 trauma completely. Uh, it's kind of eerie, you know, um, with everything that's going on with Afghanistan, um, that like this actually happened. And I actually was there you live your whole life and you see these like kind of unbelievable events. And then you find yourself, if you travel enough, you kind of intersect with the world and geopolitical stuff. And I, for once found myself in world history, I was right there and it really happened. So let's go ahead and take a break. Um, this is me back on my podcast and I, it's really nice to be back and talk with all of you guys. So, uh, You're listening to Onward with William McCarthy. We're going to take a break. And we're back. Okay, guys. So, projects. I'm always working, I'm always doing stuff, and I've got a lot going on here. So as we go into winter, um, every songwriter or creative will tell you this is like a great time to, I guess we would call it wood shedding, um, where we hole up and we put all of our energy every single day into a project, Um, kind of a hermit experience. Um, I've got a lot going on. Um, I'm I'm kind of in two different minds at the moment. I'm really feeling I'm really feeling like it might be time to write some memoirs. I guess I think autobiography is such a weird word, but I'm getting to that place where I've accumulated so many experiences in my lifetime. And when I was traveling around on a motorcycle this summer, I was just thinking, man, it might be time to tell the story. It really might. Um, so I've never written a book that long. I wrote a book Uh, a couple years ago and it was a a really great experience um to wake up each day it's very meditative and uh, i really enjoy it unlike songwriting where you're kind of in a format pre-chorus verse bridge you know outro that kind of stuff i really like writing it's a funny thing walking around because the conscious mind um doesn't really think like you write but I'm kind of surprised when I write because I'm like, "Wow, that was in there," and I just think that um, I would. I think that it might be time to do that. So I'll be traveling to Germany next month. I'm going to be going to a book fair and meeting some publishers and so on. So I'm excited for that challenge. Now, I've also been chatting with a record label that is interested in the next record. So it could go either way. I mean, they're both really worthy um, wonderful projects to get involved in. And it's funny when you, when you, when you're in these shoes as a creative, it's like, wow, okay, I'm going to be jumping into something from that will last three to six months, or like even with a book, even longer. Um, which one do I choose? So that would be like my deep, bigger project kind of thing. The last time I did this, of course, was building out the van and making a mobile studio. Um, and then there's always like instruments, like last winter I picked up um, I picked up saxophone, baritone saxophone, which I had played as a kid. Um, I also picked up clarinet, because I think it's like the, the coolest, sexiest instrument of all time. But this year I think I might pick up banjo. I had a lot of success with uh, ukulele a couple years ago, which I love, and I might pick up the banjo this year. I was playing on one, um, where was I? Oh, I was in Ireland. I was playing a banjo and I'm like, man, I like this. I think I could really make some some noise with one of these. So I might pick up a banjo. And for me, like when I'm doing art the right way, I will wake up. I will kind of visualize the day. I'll do my main task and then to like relax, I'll kind of like insert another kind of project on top of a project. It's like multitasking. It helps me not kind of get devoured by the the big um, monster of whatever project I'm in. And it's kind of a good way to keep um, multiple irons in the fire. So I can see banjo kind of happening this winter. I'm excited about it. I've got a show um, coming up in Utah. I've been chatting to some people um, about uh, South Africa in the fall. And I've gotten an offer um, to go back to Scandinavia or even Sri Lanka um, in the beginning of the year. So lots going on. Um, that's a little bit of an update on where I'm at. Um, I'm very, I'm very thankful, um, for all of you who care about what I do and I'm thrilled about the future. I'm trying to stay in the moment and, and just stay with inspiration and do what comes to me. Um, I've, been making these little travel films and I absolutely love it I think out of all the um, out of all the arts like photography and filmmaking is is calling out to me more and more and more and I love just I just love the way I look at the world when I have a camera on me and um, so that will be happening as well and that's pretty much where I'm at um, thinking about everybody and I'm feeling passionate. That's pretty much it. Um, I'm tired. I'm road. I'm a little bit road weary. Um, I've seen a lot in the past few months and I'm looking forward to more. I'm just kind of catching my breath and trying to get back out there and, and make art and try to connect with humans in the world. That's my story. Thanks for being patient with the podcast hiatus. Um, again, with with all these irons in the fire i'm like is anybody listening to this thing but i actually do have this sort of printout that the that um i get back from um from the platform that i put the podcast on and there are listeners there's like people in israel listening who who knew that um africa like south america it's actually it's actually kind of i wish i could talk with them and hang out and like you know but uh, it, is, it is gratifying to know that this gets out there somewhere in the world. Um, wherever you are, I hope you are uh, smiling and um, getting through your day. And this is life, baby. I'm sending all my love to you. You've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from Colorado.